You're about to listen to Dinner with Bands, a joint production between KCSU and the Music District in Fort Collins, Colorado. This is an artist collaborative that features musicians as they share a meal and discuss how pertinent issues in today's society affect their careers. Today's episode was hosted by me, Cheyenne Duba, and features Kenzie Culver, Adrian Ray Ash of Plasma Canvas, and Tara Scholes of Rat Doctor as we discuss the Me Too movement and how it pertains to the music industry, both on a personal and worldwide level. We're done with this and we're going to elevate the voices that are speaking out. We're going to elevate the victims or survivors or what have you um, and put a megaphone in front of their face. Thank you ladies for all being here. Thanks for, having us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, let's have you all introduce yourselves to our <clears throat> listeners. All right. Well, hi, everyone. My name is Kenzie Culver, uh, formerly the front woman of the Violet Tides, and now just me. So, hey, what's up? Oh, sorry. I was drinking water. Hi, my <laughs> name is Adrian Ray Ash. Um, I play guitar and sing in a rock and roll band called Plasma Canvas, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here today. Thanks for Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you for being here. Uh, my name is Tara Schultz. I am the lead singer of Rat Doctor. We have a lot of fun. Yeah, and just continuously finding ways to get involved in the local music scene here. Um, so you can usually find me at the Downtown Artery uh, if you can't find me anywhere else. Tara, you recently wrote the cover article for Salt Magazine's January issue titled, This Is Not a Witch Hunt. In this article, you said, It becomes problematic when those accused of sexual harassment are pardoned. Phrases such as, they exist in a witch hunt atmosphere, grant abusers the role of the victim. In turn, in an attempt to water down injustice, allegations from survivors are made out to be a systemic ploy to purify a targeted group of oppressed sexual harassers. Did someone say oxymoronic? So, can you give us some insight to the metaphor of the witch hunt? Sure. When Anthony Cross, uh, the founder of Salt Magazine, came to me, you know, with this cover story idea. Um, it's something that I feel really passionately about, um, not just from personal experience, but being a woman in an industry that is so heavily kind of not just whitewashed, but um, misogynistic, you know, mm -hmm. historically. I was excited and terrified <laughs> at the same time to um, be writing such a sort of relevant, but also kind of controversial um, story over sexual harassment and kind of what that looks like. So, you know, just in doing my research and talking to people, this idea of, of like a witch hunt atmosphere, which was used in kind of pardoning Harvey Weinstein and uh, Woody Allen's sort of involvement in this culture, the people defending him had described it as a witch hunt. So I decided to go and kind of research what that means and, and what a witch hunt actually is at its core. And that dates back to the Salem witch trials when dozens of women and men that were protecting these women were hung, you know, under accusations of practicing witchcraft in Salem back in that, in that time, there was a huge outbreak of like sickness that was kind of equated to like this, you know, witchcraft causing people to like get, be delirious and throw up, you know, and, and, pairing that like physical sort of outbreak with also this witchcraft that was being practiced and therefore men especially like in positions of like religious power kind of took it upon themselves to purify the town by hanging these women mostly burning them at the stake so yeah that's why I think it's a really problematic phrase to use because you know this historically oppressed group of women who are kind of going against the grain were murdered, for lack of a better term, by these powerful, rich white men. And, and and using that term to give a free pass to these men who have been accused of, 
you know, harassing and assaulting women, abusing women, it's, it's completely problematic because it is an oxymoron. It is using a historically oppressed group of people and then saying that they have now become the oppressor in a mm-hmm. situation that just can't. Something that really bothered me with some of the movement was like, you know, a lot of people were like, you shouldn't be able to call out sexual assault allegations after a certain amount of years, but it's hard to come out like that alone. It's hard to, like, even recognize that it happened. You know, I have plenty of people in my life that, you know, had something, you know, maybe not as severe as what may have happened to some of the women in the, like, Harvey Weinstein case and such like that. You know, even the smallest thing was terrifying for them to to talk about because they just wanted to put it out of their mind and be like, no, like, that didn't happen to me. Like, you know, like, they didn't want that to happen to them. And they wanted to kind of, like, push it out of their memory. And I think that... I think that it's super difficult for women to come out on their own, or even, like, men that have been sexually assaulted mm-hmm. like this, for people to come out on their own like this, especially, like, when, like, what you said, people are claiming it's a witch hunt against the oppressors, when in reality, it's not a witch hunt, it's a call for justice. It's interesting that Kinsey mentions, you know, men being sexually harassed, too, and them having a voice, and I think that Something that I've seen is that as much as this, you know, historically is an issue among women and people of color and and trans people, like, it, these are the historically oppressed groups of people, but sexual assault is not limited to one of those groups. And I think with the Me Too movement, we saw this huge wave of just, like, vulnerability where anybody that had been affected by it was able to come forward. Now, yes, overwhelmingly, most of those people were women. Even more so, you start to see the minorities and marginalized communities that exist within that, people of color, trans people, people of the LGBTQ community. And I think the more that we sort of try to make it a divisive thing and saying, like, we've been, you know, more abused or, or whatever, instead of coming around and saying something as simple as Me Too, which is a mm-hmm. resurgence of a movement that happened, you know, years and years ago. But now we have social media to kind of act as this platform to, like, show how overarching the issue is. And I think it was a wake-up call to a lot of people to be like, wow, I got online today and the first hundred posts had to do with this problem. And that's why women haven't spoken up because there hasn't been a platform, there haven't been people listening to them. And now instead of people just being like, oh, well, that sucks that that happened, but like nothing's going to change. Now we're like, no, enough is enough, right? Time's up, me too. We're ready to say we're done with this and we're going to elevate the voices that are speaking out. We're going to elevate the victims or survivors or what have you um, and put a megaphone in front of their face because it, it's time to like end the normalization of this very pervasive issue. Do you have anything to add, Adrian? Mic drop. Mic drop, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and with that, we are going to take a quick break. Stay tuned to hear these local artists' reaction to one of the most popular songs of 2017, Ed Sheeran's Shape of You. Now, here's Rat Doctor's latest single, Watch and Learn, only here on 90.5 KCSU for Collins.
Welcome back to Dinner with Fans. After listening to Ed Sheeran's Shape of You, my reaction was, was like undeniably a banger. But these artists had some different opinions. We were all bopping our heads yeah. to that. But the thing I, is, no, I was shaking actually, my head. I, I oh, wasn't. you were shaking your head? <laughs> no, I was, I, I I was think... getting ready to say, like, you know, you called this event Dinner with Bands, but, like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to eat after <laughs> that. Like, <laughs> I love that song. I mean, like, it's just, it makes my head bop. But the thing is, that song is literally just about a woman's body, you yeah, know? Yeah, it's gross. And, yeah, when you take the whole Me Too movement into account, Kesha actually performed her single Praying, which was one of the other nominees. Like, the four other nominees up against Ed Sheeran were all woman do you believe that the misogyny that exists within the music industry contributed to the decision of him winning that grammy over kesha and all those other women i was watching the grammys my mom and i we watch the grammys every year because it's like a tradition for us and i was remember watching and i remember seeing him win out over those women and i i swear when i was watching you know we like to bet on who we think is going to win and both my mom and i were hands down we're like no way like it's got to be either kesha with praying or a million reasons and lady gaga like those were our two like top and we had no idea that shape of you was going to come out and win like that and i think that to answer your question about that, when I was looking this up, I was looking up how the Grammy winners are, how they're chosen, mm-hmm. and the same way like with the nominees, and it's it was really vague, and so I don't know how to put necessarily like a opinion on it because the Grammy website said that it was like 350 people that are like selected to vote for the songs. I guess I would say that yes, the misogyny in the music industry and just in our everyday society does contribute if that committee weren't split equally between, you know, male and female or just like kind of randomly chosen. Oh, they're very specifically chosen people. So kind of how that whole situation works. I don't think it can be boiled down to like who's on the committee. You know, is it a bunch of rich white men? Probably. 
honestly, it probably is. That's overwhelmingly what the music industry is comprised of is is white men, um, men in general. But it ends up, you know, being this filtering process, which I understand. So I think the bigger issue is the general public because they're basing it on views, how many views a song has, how many airplays it's had, you know, the, the general popularity of the song. So if that's going into consideration, then we have to look at the bigger picture and look at the listeners. And the listeners aren't just white men. You know, the listeners are the, uh, the public, the people that are listening to the radio, who are listening to Spotify, who are downloading the music on iTunes. And if this is a song that, you know, has gained enough popularity, and, and yes, not to discredit the kind of production behind it. Their production value is amazing. They had a superstar team producing this song. But I think it says a lot more about the climate of our entire society rather than just a group of people voting for it because they do take into consideration how it's been received. Mm -hmm. So if more people are into and supporting and listening to a song like Shape of You, which is about a guy getting drunk in a bar and liking the way a woman's body is shaped, versus someone like Kesha, who's writing this song about Dr. Luke, who, you know, her allegations were that he had been abusing and harassing her for years and mm -hmm. years, stole her creative intelligence and pretty much made her a sellout. And now she finally is like, no, enough is enough. Performed it at the Grammys. It was one of the most moving performances I've seen in a long time. And it's being received in a different way. Shape of You doesn't make people question what they know, whereas something like praying is it's meant to be felt it's meant to be processed and like it's meant to be an outcry and a way to change things so I don't think that society as much as we're making progress is really ready to like award somebody a Grammy for best song of the year for something that really makes you kind of think about who you are as a person and contributing to that culture but that being said should the Grammys be part of social movements like me too should the message behind the music be taken into account when making the decisions for these awards or should it just be strictly based on whatever the judges deem to be musical quality per se or production quality okay well <laughs> there's so much there's so much to reply to in that you know like that you you had a lot of great points um I don't really like to put a whole lot of stock in, you know, awards for music because it's like if you if you made something and you're proud of it and you love it and your friends love it and like it, you know it's good enough for you then who cares about an award? But at the same time, awards like the Grammys are about representation. And whenever you have that opportunity to be the tastemaker of, of sorts, you know, like whenever you have the opportunity to set the standard of like what makes a great album or, you know, what makes a beautiful performance or like what makes a memorable single, I think it's important to consider societal aspects like that. And I think it's important to consider what's going on around you. I mean, the timing of Ed Sheeran. <sighs> writing a song about like a woman's body and then having it beat out for really powerful yeah. female performances it's just like the timing of that is I know, ridiculous it's like, and the nature of all those songs million reasons um obviously praying are all kind of about these like trials and tribulations and sort of like gaining a sense of worth and purpose after like experiencing <coughs> those things so i guess in my mind just to answer your question about using something like the grammys as a platform to join a giant social movement absolutely if i could cuss heck yes i just think if we can't use something like the grammys to get behind a movement that is long overdue and is so important how are we going to make social change like think about how many millions of people tune into the grammys and how much influence music and pop culture and hollywood has over our society so i think that's the best avenue in which to like kind of not necessarily exploit a social issue but like 
elevate it. And they did that. They did that. Like, I will say kudos to them for having Kesha be, you know, one of the performers of the evening with that song. It was so powerful to have the, like, superstar lady lineup she had behind her. And I think that they were doing some good. But I just think, like, if nothing else, it sparked a conversation. And, you know, that paired against Kesha's performance and the women that were up in the running, like, it's honestly kind of perfect that that happened because there's so much backlash that it sparked a conversation that the entire country is having now. I was going to say we're talking about it right yeah, now exactly. because yeah. it happened. Yeah, and, and it's ridiculous that it happened and, like, the audacity of the judges, like, to yeah. make that happen and, you know, whatever processes made that come to be. It's so ridiculous, but at the same time, it's like, well... Since it happened, while we're all here, while we're all talking about how ridiculous it is, let's have the conversation about why this kind of stuff happens. Why do we have to continue having these conversations? Mm -hmm. Like, why is it a big deal? Why is female-fronted band a genre? Like, why am I, you know, on this panel (laughs) right now with three other badass female musicians? Like, why does it have to be a thing? You know, like, why does that have to be something that... I strive for is like, oh, I'm I'm good among the girls now. And then, I don't know, it's right. just a really, really weird concept. It's like a qualifier. It's, yeah. I had a sound guy tell me once <laughs> that I would, I would be more successful as a front woman, and I won't name names, but sound guy told me I'd be more successful as a front woman if I wore less clothing on stage. Ooh. Oh my gosh. And I held up two middle fingers. That's and yeah. I put a jacket oh, on. That just <laughs> feels so wow. comfortable. Yeah. I had someone like that that said, you're really good for a female-fronted band. And I was like, what the heck does that mean for a female-fronted band? Like, does that... Does my gender associate the amount of skill that I hold in my my field? And if I'm not a good band, like, tell me I'm not good. Yeah. Don't tell me I'm good for a woman. Like, if I'm not good, I'm not good. I have room to grow. That's yeah. fine. Like, I don't want my skill set to be elevated because I have lady parts or because I identify <laughs> as a woman or because, you know, I dress, like, scantily or whatever it is. I just want to be good, and I want to be well-received whether or not you can see what I look like, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Adrian, your band definitely has a deeper message to be appreciated within your music so could you tell us a bit about plasma canvas well i mean we're we're a two-piece band um yeah i i write music about my life which you know tends to just be political by default because i'm a trans person living in public you know and so we're i I don't want to say we're a political queer punk band because i don't feel like the word queer defines who we are but like i think the closest genre identifiers that feel good to me are dirty femme rock or <laughs> or uh yep. <laughs> yeah dirty femme rock or sparkly andro thunderpunk and uh, i really like this because you know the guitar sound is kind of big and huge and you know the lyrics and general attitude is very gay very yeah. sparkly and so it's like we're yeah i'm queer queer super queer and i'm gonna punch you (laughs) (laughs) metaphorically with love and support and and knowledge (laughs) i know you were uh, talking about using your band as a platform to actually get these messages across you know just like the grammys could be a platform for this message you use your music in that way as well don't you yeah yeah for sure um the song that i actually like picked to play today is called paint the whole city black and it's uh, it's about a combination of things, um, you know. Like I'm I'm from uh, Washington, Missouri, which is about an hour away from uh, St. Louis, and it was written around the time where like a lot of riots were taking place in St. Louis because like cops kept committing murder and getting away with it, mm-hmm. and like no indictments, you know. Like if there were indictments, people were getting acquitted, and it was just it was ridiculous. And it was very transparent, and so I wrote a song about it. 
um, just about how disenfranchised people were fed up with this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, it's, it's sorry, it's a little bit hard not to swear when I'm talking about this song because <laughs> it makes me really angry yeah. to talk about the subject material because uh, in that song, I name names. You know, I name the names of people who have been taken by violence and, you know, whether, whether that be like police violence or like anti-trans violence or violence towards yourself because, you know, you can't live with yourself one way or another and, you know, just... The, the song is about all the people who can't speak with me right now because they're, they're not here too, because the world has taken them in one way or another. And so um, every time I get some small piece of a platform, I try to take them with me, you know, because the ones who speak the loudest are all dead. That's another plasma canvas line. And uh, I feel like people like Leela Alcorn who beg us to fix society and then step in front of a bus you know, like that's a pretty poignant thing to to not forget about. I don't, you know, don't ever want anyone to forget that a girl took her life because her parents were religious people and didn't didn't respect her, didn't accept her. You know, so this is the kind of stuff that I want to eradicate. So I'm using my music as a platform to lift up people who maybe wouldn't have a voice if I didn't specifically go out of my way to give them one. Let's give you a platform right now. Here's Paint the Whole City Black by Plasma Canvas, only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins.
Welcome back to Dinner with Bands on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I would like to give a big thank you to Simply Thai for providing us with delicious Thai food today. So to a lot of people, it seems as if the Me Too movement isn't as prevalent in the music industry as it has been in Hollywood. Just this morning, there was an article published on USA Today titled, Jewel Questions Why Me Too Hasn't Hit the Music Industry, Hopes More Women Will Feel Empowered. A quote from this article says, Experts say the hesitation for female musicians to speak up could be due to several factors. Among these factors, the music industry's history of sordid behavior characterized by the slogan sex, drugs, and rock and roll, the sexualization of females entering the industry, the competitive nature of pop music, and a lack of females in leadership slash mentoring positions. So what are your thoughts on this? I got to reply to the first thing you said, because a lot of the Me Too movement hasn't hit the music world, but a lot of it also has. Like, Mm -hmm. um, brand new, Jesse Lacey. Like, there was (gasps) the whole thing. No, really? You you don't know about that. I did not know about that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I was a brand new fan for a long time, and I almost got a brand new tattoo. And then in, uh, I think, October, it came to light that he, like, uh, solicited nudes from a 15-year-old. And, like, manipulated her and stuff and, like, did some really gross stuff. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was was pretty heartbreaking to find out. But I kind of, yeah, kind of deleted my brand new library at that point. Yeah. But, you know, and then there's also um, the thing with Alice Glass from Crystal Castles. Mm -hmm. Like, she actually just won her lawsuit against, like, her former bandmate who, like, used her, you know, and... um, like committed sexual assault against her and like basically just did a whole bunch of abusive manipulative stuff and um you know so she was in a legal battle with him and won and you know so i wouldn't say that it hasn't hit the music world just not as much and then also the sex drugs and rock and roll thing i think is important to mention because like I totally don't think that that's all too terrible, but at the same time, like, consent is the most important thing. Like, it is okay to, like, be a sexual being because we're humans and, like, that's a part of who we are, you know, and, like, you shouldn't be ashamed to have sexual thoughts or, like, desires or anything like that. But, like, you know, the moment you start breaking someone's consent, that's that's the problem. Just self-discovery is is another whole, whole other thing. It's just, like, don't do things to people without their permission. Yeah, totally. That should just be common knowledge. I mean, like, yeah. I'd say the sexualization per se of females in like music videos, and they use that as sort of an empowering oh, yeah. thing. You know, I don't think yeah. that that should be a bad mm-hmm. thing. It is Absolutely. all just about consent. That doesn't mean that the viewer has or anyone else in the industry has any sort of like obligation to this woman because she presents herself that way in this mm-hmm. music video. It should be an empowering thing. Yeah, right absolutely. For myself, like I am 18 years old now, I'm stepping into like myself as a woman and I like have recently been wanting to like write more. I like I wouldn't call them sexy songs, but I want to write more about like my physical experience and attraction to people and unfortunately I you know see the exact same thing is that like because I write about that now people feel entitled to not to me I've never experienced that personally but people feel entitled to talk about that as like like ooh, it's taboo or like ooh, OMG especially because you know I live in um I live in Loveland but I you know travel between Loveland and Fort Collins all the time but you know at my high school where I still attend you know, people can hear those songs because I release them publicly and then all of a sudden it's like a rumor and it's like, oh, gee, like they did this and they did that. And it's unfortunate that people find that they're entitled to share about that, like, Mm -hmm. you know, outside of my song. You know, I chose to speak about that 
And, you know, the same thing goes for, you know, Tara, you mentioned this before we um, listened to that awesome song from Adrian. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) But about how, like, people kind of look at female-fronted bands, and Adrian, you also said this too, um, like, as a genre, and people look at it as, like, a... But you said it in a great way, a qualifier, like a qualifier for a band. Um, and I have found that in my own music. You know, I speak a lot about, you know, some topics. I struggle from, you know, social anxiety despite my love for performing. And I speak about that a lot in some of my songs. And they mean so much to me. And I've found, you know, when I perform them, a lot of, like, younger people, like, you know, below... I guess below 30 is what I consider young, but you never know. A lot of those people, like, go and say, oh, yes, this song really spoke to me. But once, like, I pass that age range, especially I see this a lot in, like, men, is that, you know, they might go to, like, my Instagram page or my Facebook page that promotes my music, and instead of listening to my music and then messaging me saying that, oh, they loved my voice or they loved this song... I will get messages saying, you're beautiful, OMG, you're hot. And it's, you know, before, and like Tara, before you even mentioned that before the break, I had no idea that that was something that I could consider this like misogyny that it's already ingrained in our society. But like after speaking about that, I realized that these people that send me those messages aren't listening to my music. They aren't listening to the, the lyrics and the messages that I have to say, but rather they're looking at, me and my body as an object and they feel the need to comment on it and it's kind you know some people will say that in lieu of a compliment of my music and so I try to be careful about who I say you know who I say ew that's gross or yeah thank you but just the other day you know a 65 year old man messaged me and said that he found me beautiful and I was like that's very strange to me because I only recently turned 18 and that's entirely uncomfortable to like be in that situation because I want to be polite because it's hard being a woman in the music industry because I want to drive that traffic to my page but also you know and I don't want to drive anyone away yeah but when it comes to something like that I don't know how to respond because I want to be respectful and say thank you but also I don't think that like that kind of age gap and that like whole thing was just not okay in my head so I think you're coming too from like a completely different place you know being like newly 18 still being Mm -hmm. in high school kind of like finding what it means to like come into womanhood and kind of know yourself on that like adult side of things whereas like myself as a person I'm very sexually liberated I worked for um, kind of an alternative modeling company in Kansas City I did a lot of like nude photo shoots where I was very much in control I was never uncomfortable it was artful it was fun um, it was very consensual and you know and I just I have these different views on like my sexuality and myself as a person where I don't abandon that when I'm on stage Mm -hmm. for me like my sexuality is empowering and you know and I feel as sexy in a three-piece suit with a blazer on as I do in you know a bikini like for me feeling sexy is so much more than like showing people my skin Um, it has to do with the the way I feel more than anything else and then being able to perform for people and I think the reality of it outside of the problematic things that exist within consensual behavior and power plays power displays of, of men that sort of thing you know like sexiness is something that becomes very appealing when watching a band play and like I said that doesn't necessarily mean they're not wearing a lot of clothes or like sexiness is so much bigger than that but like a lot of the you know bands that I love and look up to even like 
lady fronted I know we're trying to get away from that as a genre you look at like No Doubt and Blondie and Fleetwood Mac and you know Jefferson Airplane like these women are so inherently sexy but it's not for sake of them just like being porn stars on stage Mm. Um, so I do think like that that it is something where people are going to think you're beautiful they are going to tell you those things and it becomes less of a matter of like being able to eliminate that kind of behavior and find a way to make it constructive you know if some creepy old man sends you a message on Facebook tell him that it's inappropriate Mm -hmm. you know tell him like hey that made me really uncomfortable you know if you want to support my music here's a more constructive way to do that I think rather than just like shutting down a lot of times you know that attention can be really uncomfortable and then you now have a position to like use your voice to be like hey that's not cool that made me feel this way and if they continue being creepy then you can take action then you can block them then you can report them to the powers that be but you are as you grow in your career going to become more and more of an idol to people and you know them thinking that you're beautiful can be so much more than a surface Mm -hmm. level comment you just have to keep yourself in check know your boundaries know them really well and know what you are okay with and not okay with and how you're going to take action or know the right people to talk to in order to make sure that behavior doesn't get out of hand Mm -hmm. Um, but I do think there are problems when it pertains to sexual harassment and the way that the kind of attention that you receive you also have to be very hyper aware that you are like a performer and you're choosing to be vulnerable in front of a lot of people and unless someone genuinely threatens your safety or your comfortability you're gonna have fans that kind of say these things so either ignore them or take it as an opportunity to kind of like fix you know that interaction well and I definitely do take it as a compliment especially because it's it's much easier to tell like when I'm performing and afterwards people will come up to me and go so you know like oh my gosh like you're so beautiful like I really do take that as a compliment because you know it helps my self-esteem of course like I love that but it was more of the like you know realizing that a lot of especially older men see my Facebook page and don't see me as a artist but rather as like entertainment for them and not in a good way and like but that's really good advice and I think that both has and has not fully hit the music industry yet and I think that if I can be the first to start that is like being scared to you know report that or like not even report it but scared to speak up especially in someone part like of the problem right yeah like, like someone so much older that you feel like you have to have respect to you know like I grew up in a family that was very like you know respect your you know elders and obviously with caution like don't just respect everyone that's older than you if they don't deserve your respect but like I think if I can be the first to start that movement you know not the first but like to continue pushing that into the music industry then I'd love to especially with your advice Tara is like be wary and be like aware of how I'm performing Gosh, how did you say it? You said it so much more eloquently. You say a lot of words. I'm sorry, y'all. It's like um, being aware that as a performer, I am an entertainer, but also, you know, knowing my own boundaries and yeah, knowing when yeah. something's not okay. And so, like, if I can push that to any musicians that may be listening or people aspiring or even people that aren't musicians or anything in this kind of industry, like, knowing that and something that you do can be put out there like that, but also knowing your boundaries and knowing what you feel is okay or not. I think that's, yeah, I think that's good advice. Like giving people the benefit of the doubt too, like assuming that they're good people that maybe haven't been called out on their behavior before Mm -hmm. when it comes to something like that. And that's the thing too. If you don't call out a behavior and it's not corrected, it perpetuates. Mm -hmm. So 
for someone like that who genuinely is like maybe his intentions are good and he just wants to let you know that he thinks you're beautiful and whatever that is maybe he's never been called out and been told that that was inappropriate and I like to give people the benefit of the doubt saying like hey that made me really uncomfortable this is why here are my boundaries and a lot of the times it's well received and they're like whoa I didn't look at it that way now fragile masculinity this is problematic I know there's going to be a bunch of people listening right now that are like my ego isn't fragile <laughs> it is um <laughs> if you're if you're the one saying that you're the one with a fragile <laughs> ego but um that Shattered. does exist and you are going to run into people like that where you're not going to get through to them and your boundaries aren't going to matter and they're going to continue exacerbating this entire issue that we're talking about but I just think that that's where we're at right now as women as as um, people who identify as women like this femme community we're at the point where we're just fed up and people are listening to us so like keep using and to all of you women listening out there performers or otherwise like keep using your voice for every person that doesn't listen to you there's a handful of people that will and this community is getting stronger and like more supportive so like don't ever be afraid to like speak up about something that makes you uncomfortable even if it seems trivial because if you can stop it while it's trivial maybe the big stuff won't happen yeah definitely that's the message that a lot of listeners need to hear i mean i think that like myself i even needed to hear that i think a lot of people do yes thank you (laughs) yeah that's that's really important you said a lot of really important things yeah i just wanted to add that i'm pretty impassioned um (laughs) but thank you adrian and kenzie for being here and being in this community and making yeah. amazing music and doing what you're doing um totally. it's really fun to sit and talk with y'all yeah of course. says yeah, the lead singer of like the most badass rock and roll band oh my god <laughs> i don't know about that y'all <laughs> i really love rat doctor though Aww. the rat doctor makes cool music i really love plasma camp and it's cool yeah. to have you here kenzie because yeah we, adrian and i've played uh, on the same stage before yeah several of uh december 11th yeah that was, that was a good show we did a battle of the bands together. It was super fun. So That's I'm cool. excited to hear your yeah, tracks for sure. Yeah. Cool, yeah. We are going to be signing off here pretty soon. I'd like to thank all of you ladies once again for being here on Dinner with Bands. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thank you so much. Of course. Hey, uh, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Mom. Hi, We're... Mom. Hey, Jess. Hey, Ryan. <laughs> We're going to be signing off with Afraid of Being Saved by Kenzie Culver, only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. What it looks like if you're standing on the outside I can see you from the inside Please pay no mind to my warning signs
Let's go.